0: I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Good morning, church. Wow, good morning, church. Hallelujah. Um, Thank you so much for the welcome. I want to welcome each and every person just joining us online. Those joining us from Cambridge, love you all. Those joining from Leicester, my wife's asking when we're coming again. Welcome, and each and every person, wherever you are, get ready for a word that's going to change your life. Get ready for a word. Get ready for a word. My heart has been indicting a martyr. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 45, and it's been my prayer that my tongue will be as the pen of a ready writer and that your hearts will be the tablets that God's word will be written on. It's my prayer that you will hear clearly, not the voice that is speaking to you, but God's voice is going to come to you and that you're going to hear clearly what the Lord has for you in this hour. We have been journeying on this book of Philippians, unpacking great truths and hearing what God has for us. As Paul has been writing, one of the few things I have noticed is that he exudes a lot of gratitude, gratefulness, continually in this letter. One reason he is grateful for is the partnership the Philippians, the people living in Philippi, had with his ministry. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 to 5, in the Passion Translation, it reads My prayers are for, for you, are full of praise to God. As I give him thanks for you with great joy, I am so grateful for our union and our enduring partnership. It wasn't a stop and go, it was enduring. That began the first time I presented to you the gospel. From the first day they heard of him preach, from the first day they received Jesus, from the first time they encountered the gospel that Paul preached, they became partners with him. This partnership was not just in time. It just wasn't about service. It was also financial. Epaphroditus. epap is what I've been calling him. Was sent with a gift to minister to Paul. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 and verse 30. We read Paul writing about him, and we have already encountered well, how great he served him. Today, we're going to look at our partnership. And we're going to look at what partnership is doing to our finances. We're going to look at our role of our finances in radical partnership. Ever since I was a young man, whenever I got on a chuku-chuku train, remember the first time getting on the train from Nairobi to Mombasa, it was a 12-hour journey. I was fascinated that this thing is moving on these tracks. How? Every time, even here in the United Kingdom, I'm on a train, I wonder in amazement at how the wheels are moving on these two rails. Today we're going to look at two very important rails for your finances to ensure that you and I as believers do not get derailed in any place. Let me make something very clear. We believe in your prospering. Can I repeat that again? We believe in your prospering. We believe in your doing well. We believe in your finances enlarging, expanding. Explosive growth is our belief. We believe in your being promoted. We believe in your business doing well. It's important for us to let you know the whole truth. We just can't come here and pray for your promotion and not also teach and be wise for you and how to walk right. And I know we speak about being stewards and I know we speak about this. However, it's important we speak on the two things that I'm gonna speak on today. 3 John 2, it's so clear. And that's why we teach, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Somebody say all things. Come on, somebody say all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. We teach believing that your prospering is settled. You missed a good place to say amen. Mm -hmm. Believe you me, we are not a church that's not praying for you to do well. We are praying and believing God that when you step out of here, your testimonies will say you are doing great things. Billy Graham had this to say about money. Just in case you're wondering, where am I going? I've got a lot to say today. (laughs) Tell me what you think about money. And I will tell you what you think about God. For these two are closely related. A man's heart is closer to his wallet more than anything else and I also add a woman's heart is also close to her handbag more than anything else. <laughs> Radical partnership that the Philippians showed resulted in Paul mentioning two rails that are important for the financial wheels of you and I living today. Number one, Generosity. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, we are generous. Wow, church, though you're saying it, it's like, I'm not here to take your money. (laughs) Come on. Somebody give thanks that we are a generous people. We are a generous people. Listen to Paul in Philippians chapter four, and I love the way verse 10 in the Amplified, the way he puts it, I was made very happy in the Lord that now you have revived your interest in my welfare. So long a time, after so long a time, you were indeed thinking of me, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm glad I'm in a church that I have opportunity to show it Every week. Mm -hmm. Paul makes it clear that they sent a gift for his welfare. It was a gift to help Paul look after him. Can we appreciate the people sitting beside you in front, behind? Those who may not even be here, even those who are online, those in Cambridge and those in Leicester. Can we appreciate those who've been here? whose generosity we are enjoying, that we're in such a great, vast building. It's generosity that we are able as a church to give, to meet the needs of others across the world. Come on, let's just clap our hands, take 30 seconds of my time, and appreciate the generosity that we have shown over the years. I don't take it for granted that we are in a church that can look and say, you know what, we're going to spend this amount of money to help meet needs here. We've just had an announcement how over Christmas, we're going to be giving 2,000 hampers. That doesn't come from any, it comes from generosity. That's you and I being generous to help the ministry accomplish the mandate that Jesus gave. Generosity is sacrificial. One day, Jesus was sitting in the temple. Just like I believe Jesus is sitting in this temple. How many of you agree with me? Jesus is here. Yes. Oh, come off I want to hear loud amen. Yes. You believe Jesus is here? Yes. So one day, Jesus was sitting in the temple. Mm-hmm. And as he sat, he wasn't preaching, he wasn't teaching. He wasn't praying for the sick. He was watching the offering. Mm. Suddenly, you're all silent. Like, really? Yeah, I'm going to say it. (laughs) Jesus was watching the offering. He watched as men and women brought sacks. He watched as some brought notes. Then he saw a lady bring two coins that are worth less than a penny. And then he looked and said, that lady gave the best. Wow. It was sacrificial that she was giving. And generosity is sacrificial. Can I ask you a question? You agreed with me? Jesus is in the house. Yes? He's watching your heart fill in the blanks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. What is Jesus seeing with you and your generosity? I believe we are in a church that is generous. I'm in a company of saints who are generous. You missed a good place to say amen. (laughs) Amen. I believe I'm in a company of men and women who are generous and willing to give like more than ever. Can I give you a testimony? You see, generosity is giving way over the ties. Let me share a testimony of a, a member of a life group, Pete. Pete, earlier this year, got told that he might be made redundant. After some time, around about May, he's called into a meeting and he just got in this job. He's not even been there six months. They are ready to give him a lot of things and ready to let him run some robotics company and doing this. And suddenly, Pete is told, Pete, you're being made redundant. Pete looks at his wife, Debbie. They both are faithful in serving in church. Their children are faithful in attending uh, uh, children's services, youth and that. And Pete... And his wife meet together, and he's given a small amount of money for his redundancy. And Pete and his wife come together and agree, we're going to tithe, and we're going to give to church. We're going to believe God for a miracle here in Cambridge. We're going to believe God that the job that I'm getting is not outside Cambridge. Every offer he was getting while waiting to be told if he'd be made redundant was we near Cambridge. Everything was way out and we were praying with him. We're like, no, God, you're going to make a way. And Pete and his wife decided, you know what? Pete and Debbie decided that we are going to give to church. We're going to be generous and we're going to believe God for miracle. September comes and they're still trusting God. May, June, July, August, September, they're still trusting God. And you should have had Pete's son Joshua praying and saying, God, make a way for daddy to get a job. Talking with Pete, you're saying his, his children were learning that God is trustworthy. And every time he and Debbie were praying, they will be crying to God and saying, God, this is not for us. These children need to know that you are faithful. They need to know that you can be trusted. They need to know that the principles in the word that are giving is not in vain, but we are in the right place that you've centered for us. <clears throat> Pete got a job. Isn't God faithful? His son was praying, God, by 5 p.m. today, Pete needs a job. God make a way. You see, the Philippians had sent to Paul, the messenger, Epap, my friend, the one who ministered to my need, was sent with something to minister that the ministry would continue. I had a proverb yesterday while just meditating and waiting while looking around, and, I, and it's a very interesting proverb from Zambia: "Giving is not losing." It's keeping it for tomorrow. I said, wow. Talk about seed time and harvest. I said, wow. Giving is not losing. It's keeping it for tomorrow. When we are giving to ministry, to the work of the ministry, we are telling God, we want your work to continue. We are partnering with you. We're not just partnering. We're not partnering with a man. We're partnering with God to do his work. I joined this church when I had no job. I lived in London, moved to Cambridge, nothing. Remember the first Sunday, I came into church. My wife had been to a few churches, and she knew, okay, fine, now this guy needs a good church. He needs a place where we're going to pray hard and pray well. It needs a place where the Word is being given, and so we come in, and it was during a vision series, so we come in, we are being given a book, and, and then there's, during, the, during the announcements, we, we watch a clip, and Pastor Dave and Pastor Karen are coming and talking at this, and other pastors are talking about how they're going, and, and they're in and and all this, and I'm like, Wow. And I'm there crying and saying, God, I don't even have anything to be able to say. I'm going to be a tither in this church. I'm going to be one who's generous in this church. I made a vow that month. I joined this church. I will be a tither in this place. I will be generous in this place. And believe you me, my wife can tell you, I don't mess about with that. Number two, Other than generosity, godly contentment. And I'm going to park my car here a bit. (laughs) You see, it's important you know we believe in your doing well. It's also important we speak to you about doing well. Correct? Godly contentment, and not just contentment, but godly contentment is key. The radical disciple walking in radical discipleship must learn the power of contentment in the finances. Black Friday is coming up, so right now you're seeing every advert of Black Friday. Cyber Monday is the following Monday, so you're starting to see more sales coming in. Everything is crying for your money. Do you need that gadget? I love gadgets, ladies and gentlemen. I love gadgets, oh my. But Jesus is working on me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Working on me. I saw some glasses the other day being advertised. Um, Very interesting glasses. Glasses that if I put on, I can go live on Instagram. I said, wow, really? I'm not going to advertise them. Then I saw other glasses that I can fix to my phone. Put them on and my wife will think I'm being very intellectual looking at my phone but in reality there's a 120 inch screen that the glasses throw up and I can play any game. (laughs) Do I need that? No. Charles, you don't. Put it aside. Put it aside. You see, There's a parable Jesus gave once in Luke chapter 12, and one warning he said in Luke 12, 15, he said, beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses or things she possesses. Let me speak to some handbags that are lying somewhere some shoes that are really not lying around. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, let me speak to some cars that sorry, you've parked that nobody's driving and we're wondering, really. It's good to have them, but can I ask you a question? Did you consult Jesus when you went for them? <laughs> <clears throat> Listen to what Charles Spurgeon says. You say if I had a little more, I should be satisfied. You make a mistake. If you're not content with what you have, you'd not be satisfied if it doubled. You see, I like gadgets. And, and I'm gonna be very honest with you. I, I, I really do. I love when Apple, I'm, I'm an Apple guy. When Apple has an event, this year was the first time I've missed Apple events. I'm really getting saved. <laughs> um, honestly, I love gadgets. I can tell you before, I would tell you, Apple has an event, and usually it's round about my birthday, so I'm already looking and thinking, Lord, prepare me as I buy this gift. <laughs> you see, contentment and emp- It empowers godly living. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 6 says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm married to a business lady. She's forever telling me, Charles, look for what has great gain. So recently I started going to the gym Because godly exercise profits little. And when I told her I'm going to the gym, she thought I was joking. So she came home early to see and came with me to the gym. And so now we are going to the gym together. And Zoe, who's in Cambridge, is our our personal trainer, taking us through so that we are learning not to be content with the wrong things, but to be content with the right things. Oh, I'm saying something. Three things about godly contentment that I want you to know that aid radical partnership. Number one, contentment is learned. Paul said in Philippians chapter four, verse 11, he said, not that I speak in regard to need, i.e. Paul was a believer like Kingsgate. We don't believe in pressurized giving. Can I just pause there and say it? We don't. I still remember that vision series being told, we don't believe in pressure It's giving us like, wow, I've never had it like that. Maybe some of you here are expecting that, oh, Charles is now going to say 1,000 and 1,000. No, we, we don't do that. Can I say for you, we don't. And like Paul, not that I speak in regard of my needs, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. There's a famous parable that Jesus gave. We like saying it, the parable of the prodigal son, but can I give it a new title? It's a parable of two sons whose hearts did not have the right content. One's heart was materialistic, so he got whatever the father gave him and he spent it on material things. The other was stuck at home and his heart was not for the father's well-being. He wanted to celebrate with his friends, not with the father when the Father was calling him, come and let's celebrate together. Can I ask you a question? The things that God is blessing you with, what are you doing with them? Is your heart sitting right that you are content to be a blessing to the Father, that you are content to be a blessing to that which God has ordained for you to do? Or are you just being caught up in the day and age that you and I live in, a day and age where we look and see whatever we want, we just want to do? Understand that the word content And content are more or less the same thing. So when you open a book, you see a table of contents. Can I ask you a question? What if God looks at you, when Jesus looks at you, what is a table of contents he's seeing? Is he seeing himself? Joshua was told by God, this book of the law shall not depart. You shall meditate day and night. Then success. God's formula for content in you is the word of God. That this book of the law shall not depart, you will meditate. That's why this church we teach, so that your content will enable you to be content in life. Two, contentment is not dependent on circumstances. Ah, please help me now contentment is not dependent on circumstances. My being content is not, deter- is not because I have 100,000 pounds sitting in an account. Oh no, my contentment is the fact that I am a child of God. My contentment is not based on what I have or what I don't have. Paul said it this way. I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. He's talking to a church here in Philippi. When he landed in Philippi in Acts chapter 16, he saw miracles. Went to preach. And as he preached, the Bible says that a lady, Lydia, her heart was opened and she saw God. Her heart was opened and she received. And Paul was told, come and reside here. Come and I'll meet your needs. Come and I'll do this. That's why he said the partnership began when he preached. When he was put in jail with Silas, and, uh, as he was praying and as they were singing songs at midnight in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, suddenly God arrived in the jail and doors were open. The jailer got born again. Now as he's writing to the Philippians, he's in jail. God is not doing anything. So he knows how to see the miracle. And now nothing seems to be happening. He's content that God has not changed. He's content that nothing has moved. How do you respond when pressures come to you? Are you running for debt? Are you piling on debt? Or are you saying, no, Jesus, you're in charge. Are you remembering that Jesus is the one who took five loaves and two fish and multiplied it and suddenly this is it? Or are you looking at the fact that the month has so far to go and what you have is too little and you're forgetting that Jesus has not changed? Part of the problem with debt is that we have confused needs with wants. Yesterday's luxuries are today's necessities. Billy Graham said that. Live free from the love of money. Note, I do not say live free from money. I say live free from the love of money. <laughs> Sorry, let me use it in an African way. Live free from the love of money. And choose to be content, satisfied with Christ. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Three, I discovered contentment is only found in Christ. Can I invite you to my living room? You've been wondering what this is here for. I want to invite you to my living room. October 19th, I'm already preparing for this message and wondering, God, what's going on? I know I need an example. I know I need to hear God. I need to come and minister life. Been praying, 21 days praying, fasting, not hearing anything. October 19th rolls and I get a message on my work phone. You're someone for a meeting at 11 o'clock. By 11.15 I had been told I'm at risk of redundancy. Hmm. Thank you Jesus. 24 hours later, I decided to let our pastors know (laughs) because of the shock I was in. In fact, my text to Simon and to Chris said, I'm shaken, but my faith is stored. Now I have a testimony for the sermon. (laughs) October 19th, told, October 20th, I told them, I have a testimony for the sermon. Are you ready? every day i changed my alarm clock i said god wake me up earlier one hour change i would sit up in the morning get out of bed go to sit and meditate i can do all things through christ who strengthens me by then i already knew paul was sat in jail As he was writing this, it wasn't the fact that he was looking and thinking that nothing cannot work. He was looking and reminding himself that Jesus is a true vine. Jesus said in John chapter 15 that I am the vine, indeed, I am the sprouting vine, and you my branches. Uh, so Paul knew that if Jesus is the vine, the one who's the anointed one, and I'm a branch, the life flowing in him is flowing in me. My circumstances may not look nice. Uh, my situations may not be lovely. But God, I'm going to be rested. Uh, and I'm going to be declaring uh, I can do all things uh, through Christ uh, who strengthens me. I want to speak to somebody here right now. As I was praying, I felt there are people who are fighting suicidal thoughts. Uh, I want to encourage you and tell you, Jesus is the vine. You are the branch. And as you allow your union with him uh, as a source, uh, fruitfulness will stream from within you. As Paul was declaring, I can do all things through Christ, uh, I understood why he wrote to the Corinthians and said uh, that Jesus has become my wisdom. Uh, In the situation that I'm facing, Lord, I need wisdom. Uh, Christ, you are my wisdom. Uh, I need wisdom to know Do I look for another job? Do I go? What do I tell my wife? What do I tell my siblings? God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're my righteousness. If I have failed, my righteousness is as filthy rags. Your righteousness is what I'm looking for. You can make this situation right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm drawing strength from your wisdom. I'm drawing strength from your life. I'm drawing strength from what you have said for me. I don't know what you are facing here, but I came to talk to somebody. I can do all things through Christ. I would stand up and begin to dance. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. His wisdom is strengthening me. His virtue is strengthening me. His wealth is strengthening me. That which he has ordained for me is strengthening me. I've good news for you, my brothers, my sisters, wherever you are, Christ is willing to strengthen you. I don't know what challenge you're facing. I don't know what challenge you're facing but lift up your hand right now and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lift up your hand and declare it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Speak to your finances and declare it. I speak to my finances. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't forget that Jesus was the one who walked on the water. I can do all things through the Christ who strengthens me. He walked on water. The choppy waters of the systems of the day and age we're living in. We can't tell today or tomorrow but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I may not have any bread. All I have may be just a slice of bread but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have applied for judgment. Nothing seems to be happening. God, I choose to believe that you never leave me nor forsake me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I receive strength to prevail. I receive strength to overcome. I receive strength to become. All that you've ordained for me. I receive strength to become the one you have called me to be. I receive strength, and I believe that is your portion today. In Jesus' name, we are going to respond now. How do we respond? Charles, how do we respond? I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what challenge you have. What I know is Jesus is looking for you. He's waiting for you. With every head bowed. you're walking right with God what voice is speaking over your finances is it the voice of God that challenge that you're facing is Jesus ruling over it and if you're here you're going to say like me God take control You are worthy of it all. The job doesn't define me. You define me. May I ask you to stand on your feet. Stretch your hands. Lay it all before him. Let him know that he is worthy of it all.